0: Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. So brethren, as you know, we are going to be looking at the Book of Acts, which is a bit of a change. We've been studying a bit of prophecy lately. And we know with prophecy, we we look through a glass darkly. We don't see it very clearly. And it it, it almost always happens differently than the way that we think. And I think we can get into trouble if we become dogmatic about prophecy. I think the, the Jews, when Christ came, they were dogmatic about how the prophecies had to unfold. And when Christ came, they couldn't recognize him because he was not fitting their understanding of prophecy even though in fact he was fulfilling the prophecies. So I think we have to watch prophecy, but we have to be careful not to be dogmatic. We have to be flexible in seeing how it unfolds. But the other thing we need to look at is history. And I think we can learn a lot from history. And, and in fact, we can use history to help us navigate the future. As prophecy unfolds, we, we have the historical record to see how our brethren in the past face certain challenges, and, and use that as encouragement and as an example as to how we should face these challenges. So I think as we review the book of Acts, I, I'd like to review it in the context of prophecy, that we, we know what's coming. We know that there are difficult times ahead. Well, we're not the first Christians to face critical times or difficult times. So let's look at what the early church did, what the, what the true Christianity is like, and we can learn from that. I would say that Acts is to the New Testament what the book of Chronicles is to the Old Testament. So with the Old Testament, we have the Torah, the first five books, and we establish the fundamental doctrines of God's people. And then we look at Chronicles and Kings to see how that plays out. And, And everything that plays out in Chronicles and Kings, we can actually see referenced in the Torah. Well, in the same way, the book of Acts is playing out everything in the Gospels. So the Gospels are the foundation of the New Testament, and we see how that plays out now in the book of Acts. And I think that will become a bit clearer as we go through chapter 1 of the book of Acts. The author of Acts is Luke. So the same man who wrote the gospel according to Luke, he also wrote the book of Acts. He's unusual in the sense that Of the entire Bible, he is the only Gentile author. The Bible is authored by Israelites, except for Luke and Acts, which are authored by Luke. Look at Colossians 4. Colossians 4. Colossians 4 and verse 14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So we see from here what Luke's occupation was. He was a physician. And that's really interesting then that he would write the gospel about Christ because who better to write about the death, burial, and resurrection of a man than a physician? So this would be like, you know, I, I'm a sales guy. That's what I do for a living. I sell. I teach people how to sell. So if I say something was awesome, people say that's a sales guy talking. He always exaggerates. Okay, But it would be like, say, uh, Daniel or Ryan, who are much more precise with their language, more of an engineering, scientific kind of mindset. They, they use their words very carefully. So Luke would be like this. He's a physician. He has a different kind of training of his mind that he's very precise. So let's look at Luke 1 to see why it's important that Luke is the author and and why a Gentile author would be admitted into the Bible. Luke 1 and verse 1 says this. For as much as many have taken in hand... To set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So Luke is saying, I'm not the first to write about the life of Christ. M- many have done this, but I'm going to do it. Well, there might be a lot of Adrians that have written, that use language very freely. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write, but I'm going to use language very precisely because I'm a physician. And if somebody dies, I can certify that they're dead. And if they come back to life, I'm a physician. If I tell you that they've come back to life, believe me. I know what I'm taught. I know what dead is, and I know if somebody gets up again after they've died. So many have set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. so this is sort of the scientific mindset. I'm a doctor, I'm a physician, I'm an educated man okay Mark and pardon me for saying this, you read the Gospel of Mark, this is not a very educated guy okay this is this is your fisherman who's going to write about Christ. Now we're taking somebody think now PhD, somebody highly respected who sets pen to paper. It's a completely different gospel than someone who's just, I'm a fisherman and I'm going to tell you what I saw. So many have delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me as a physician, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto you in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty So this is the purpose of Luke's writing, that Theophilus, and by extension anyone else who reads his gospel, can know the certainty of Christ's gospel, that this is real. I'm a physician. I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm going to use my language very carefully. I'm going to be very detailed. You know, some people, again, I think of myself, I like big picture. Just give me the big idea and I'm good. Other people, like, that's not enough. We need concrete, factual details. And that's who Luke is. Luke is both feet on the ground, concrete, factual details. And that's what he's saying here. So many people have written about this, but I'm going to write about it. Why? Because I have perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto you in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed. So... With that as backdrop now, so there's this volume 1, the gospel, written to Theophilus. Now let's go to Acts 1, verse 1. So Luke is volume 1, Acts is volume 2. Acts 1, verse 1. The former treaties have I made, referring to his gospel, O Theophilus. Of all that Jesus began Both to do and teach So what he's saying here is I wrote volume 1 So we could say Luke 1, Luke 2 So Acts is really Luke 2 So I wrote, I wrote Luke 1 Of all that Jesus began Both to do and teach The operative word being He began Luke 1 is what Christ began to do Luke 2 is what he continues to do so you might have in your Bible the acts of the apostles what Luke is saying is Luke 1 is about the acts of Christ before he died Luke 2 is about the acts of Christ after he died and rose to heaven because the, the church is the body of Christ under the direction of the head of Christ And so he continues to do the work And so Luke 1 and Luke 2 go together And it's all about Christ That's what he's saying here So Luke 1 is about what he began to do Luke 2 is going to be a continuation So the former treaties Have I made, O Theophilus Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach Until the day in which he was taken up So this is Luke one is right up until the day he was taken up after that through the Holy Spirit. After he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So these are so we're now seeing the commandments that were given to the apostles. Notice whom he had chosen. So an apostle is an eyewitness of Christ. They, They were there. They, they held his hand. They spoke with him. They were eyewitnesses, A. And B, they were chosen by Christ to be apostles. Many people were eyewitnesses, but these 12 were chosen to be the apostles. So, so I'll go on record as saying we have no apostles today. Anyone today who is saying they are an apostle of Christ is a liar, is a liar, because you must satisfy these two conditions. You must be an eyewitness and you must be chosen by Christ. To whom also, so to these apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Notice Luke's writing here. By many infallible proofs. This is what Luke is all about. Facts. Let's just talk facts. Let's talk science. I know lots of people are running up and down and saying a lot of wild things. I've got both feet on the ground. Let's talk about facts. So he died, and I I wrote Luke 1 right up until he was taken up, and now I'm going to write Luke 2. And and he, he gave these commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, and these apostles, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. No one can deny that Christ came, he walked the earth, and he died. He was crucified. He was put to death. And then after his death, he appeared to his apostles not by one proof, not by two proofs, but by many infallible proofs. It's undeniable that he appeared again after his death. This is a physician speaking. This is a well-educated man. By many infallible proofs, being seen of them for forty days. So after he died, he was with them for forty days, which is really their their intense schooling. So they basically went to intensive schooling for forty days, and that's why when they come out of the forty days and come out of Pentecost, they're, they're, they're a whole new people. They receive the Holy Spirit. They've been educated by Christ. He's shown them all the scriptures. And now they go out preaching the gospel And it's a a new game It's it's not the men that we saw in the book of Luke In Luke 2 they're totally different They've been transformed By this 40 day intensive period And the receipt of the Holy Spirit Being seen of them 40 days And speaking of the things Pertaining to The kingdom of God That's what was on Christ's mind The kingdom of God So they slaughtered him They crucified him He came back to life he pulled his apostles aside, educated them for forty days about the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. Turn with me to John twenty, and let's see some of these infallible proofs. John twenty and verse twenty seven, Then said he to Thomas, so Thomas was doubting, Thomas didn't believe that this was Christ, reach here your finger and behold my hands and reach here your hand and thrust it into my side and do not be faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. So Thomas came doubting, Christ said, handle my hands, put your hand in my side, it is me. And when Thomas realized, this is Christ, my Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So that's us, brethren. We can't go back in time. Time moves forward. So we can never go back to that time. But we can believe. And we can make sure that we understand these infallible proofs. And notice in verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of all of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So even John is saying the same thing, that he gave them infallible proofs, not one, not two, many. It was undeniable. So for all the disciples at this time, they know of a certainty that Christ came back to life. Now let's go to Luke 4. And and we're we're ultimately going back to Acts 1. So as we move around, please keep a finger in Acts 1. So notice, uh, so there was many infallible proofs. He was with them for 40 days. And he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That was his focus for 40 days. It was all about the kingdom of God. Luke 4, the beginning of the gospel. And devils, verse 41 And devils also came out of many, crying out. So he was taking these devils out of people and saying, You are Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. So they didn't want him to leave. And he said unto them, I must preach what? The kingdom of God. That's what I must preach. To other cities also. For therefore am I sent. So they loved him. They enjoyed what he was preaching. They wanted to keep him there. And he's saying, you know what? I have a mission. I have to preach the kingdom of God to other cities as well. I can't just preach it here. So that was his whole focus. Uh, Dropping down now to Luke 24. Luke 24. And notice this instruction in Luke 24. Beginning in verse 40. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. So they're seeing now his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy. In other words, they were so happy that he was alive that they couldn't believe it. And he's showing them his hands and feet. And they're seeing it, but... It's just so unbelievable that they can't believe it. And while they believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, do you have any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it before them. So he really is alive and he's having a meal with them now. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So This is the instruction now So this had to happen And I had to die And on the third day I had to rise And then notice this Now repentance and remission of sins Must be preached in my name Among all nations Beginning at Jerusalem So somebody has to do that And that, that's what Acts is all about so, so we saw in the gospel of Luke That Christ is all about preaching the kingdom of God They wanted to retain him in the city that he was preaching. And he said, no, I have to preach to these other cities as well. And now after his death, he's saying, now this message must be spread to the whole earth, beginning at Jerusalem. And you have to do that. That's what the book of Acts is, fulfilling this command that they begin at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So this is is now the introduction. This is the end of Luke 1. And he's now introducing Luke 2 by saying we have been given instruction to take this message to the whole earth. But we have to wait in Jerusalem to receive power. Now let's go back to Acts 1. Acts 1 and verse 4. Acts 1 and verse 4. We saw in verse 3 that he showed himself after his passion by many infallible proofs, and he was seen for 40 days. And for those 40 days, he spoke to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So no matter what, do not leave Jerusalem. You must stay in Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. So this is Luke 1 ends with the command from Christ to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. And then Luke 2 begins from where Luke 1 ended up saying you have to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Luke, Acts 1 and verse 4. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, You have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we know that from his death until they receive the Holy Spirit is 50 days. They're counting 50 days to get to Pentecost. And then we know that he was educating them in the kingdom of God for 40 days. So at the end of that intensive schooling, they've got 10 more days to wait to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time... Restore again the kingdom to Israel. So this should not be read over, and they're not crazy. So so they're asking about the kingdom. Is, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Look at uh, Luke 19. Luke 19. And beginning in verse 9, it says, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and he spoke a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they thought... The kingdom of God should immediately appear. So because he was getting close to Jerusalem, they thought, okay, well, this is it. The kingdom of God should immediately appear. So now, back in Acts, they're told, wait here to receive the Holy Spirit, and you'll be endued with power. And so their question is, oh, okay, is this the time now that you're going to restore the kingdom To Israel so their whole mind is on the kingdom that's what he's been educating them on for 40 days but they want to know is this when you restore the kingdom to Israel look at uh, keep your finger here and let's go to Jeremiah 33 to see where this is coming from. Jeremiah 33 and verse 16 in those days this is the promise now to Israel. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. So he's telling them, stay in Jerusalem, and you'll receive power. Oh, okay, well, this is the prophecy, that in in the end time, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely. So if we're going to receive power, and we're in Jerusalem, this must be the time. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord our Righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. That's the promise. And, and Sister Lisa looks a bit cold. And I, I think the temperature has dropped a little bit. It's just you. Okay. If so everybody else is okay? Okay. okay. Um, so here's the promise in verse 17. David, King David, shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of Israel. And yet, the throne of Israel was conquered. The Babylonians came in, crushed them. Uh, The king was taken captive. His eyes were put out. Israel's a mess. The Greeks came in. The Romans have come in. What's going on here? Well, we know that the kingdom is going to be restored. And it is going to be restored to Israel. So they're asking, okay, you've been teaching us the kingdom of God. We're going to stay in Jerusalem. We're going to receive power. Is this the time? That we restore the kingdom to Israel Look at Revelation 21 Let's go to the end of the narrative A time yet ahead of us And you can see this is very real This is about a very real kingdom It's not about a kingdom in our hearts Where we run up and down and Skip skip through the laneway Skip through the meadows And say we're Christians And the kingdom is in our hearts That's not what this is about This is about a, a real kingdom Restoring the kingdom to Israel. Revelation 21 and verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the New Jerusalem. So this is what's coming. Verse 12. And had a wall great and high, and had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels. And names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So this kingdom, when it's restored, is going to come down from heaven, Jerusalem. And it's going to be established on the earth. And 12 gates will be there. And every gate will have a name of one of the children of Israel. This kingdom will be restored to Israel. Is this the time? So what's Christ's answer? Let's go back to Acts 1. Acts 1 and verse 7 he says to them Basically if I could summarize what he says Look I've been teaching you the kingdom of God for 40 days Don't you get it? The kingdom of God is in our hearts We just run around and skip And say oh how lovely it is to be Christian He didn't say that He didn't say are you out of your mind? What are you asking about? He said it's not your business What you're asking for will surely happen The kingdom of God Is the kingdom that belongs to Israel God has a covenant With mankind And that covenant is through Israel And you're either part of the Israelite covenant Or God has nothing to do with you There is no other covenant And I'm sorry If you're not Israelite Get over it God has to work with somebody It could have been anybody God was looking for a righteous man and he found that in Abraham. And he blessed Abraham and his descendants to Israel. And so what if you're not an Israelite? Because God says, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So let's not get our egos involved here. The blessing is with Abraham, period. And that blessing went down to Israel. And you're either in, you either are grafted into the Israelite covenant, or God has nothing to do with you. There is no other covenant And the kingdom is Israel's And it will be restored to Israel So the question that the disciples Were asking wasn't an offside question It was a very good question It was a very sound question They've been educated by him for 40 days All about the kingdom of God And they're told to stay in Jerusalem And so they're just asking Okay is this the time now Are we going to receive this power So that we can reestablish the kingdom of Israel That's not for you to know Verse 7 And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. In other words, this really will happen. But that's the Father's business. It's not your business. Verse 8. Instead, here's what your business is. But, so don't worry about that. Instead, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, so it, I want you to stay in Jerusalem, because you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And this now is the table of contents for Luke 2. So as we go through the Luke 2, we're going to see this play out. The first part of Luke 2, or the first part of the book of Acts, will be the work in Jerusalem. Then we're going to see the work in all Judea. Then we're going to see it in Samaria And then by the time we get to chapter 12 When the apostle Paul comes in online We're going to see how the gospel is then spread To all the earth So this is Christ is working Through his body In Luke 2 And he's, and he's going to work Very similarly to what we saw in Luke 1 So let me, let me pause there And open it up for some questions And comments Maybe there's some things that I missed That you might want to draw our attention to but let's just pause there and we'll come back to verse 8. Any questions or comments so far? And Rachel, I saw a hand go up. Comment? Okay. Brother
1: Ray? Uh, yeah, just one. Uh, uh, when you said that uh, Jesus chose the apostles. Yes. Uh wasn't it the Father that actually chose the apostles? And because there was a scripture that later on that Jesus said, uh, "I have not lost all any who have given me," meaning the apostles, except the one uh, Judas.
0: I don't know if that scripture is referring specifically to the apostles or if it's referring to everyone who was given. Christ is the shepherd. If it was referring to all the sheep, saying that he will not lose any of his sheep, um, but the apostles. Christ is the head of the church, and, and, and it's not me saying it; it's the Scripture. So we read it here in verse two, where it says, "Until the day in which He Christ was taken up, after that He through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles, whom He Christ had chosen."
1: I guess in effect He did cho- chose them, but uh, you know, the same way He says, "No one can come to Me except the Father call Him." That's is, right. Is, is uh, the point I'm trying to make? Yes. That it's actually the Father that does, does the selecting. But when Jesus went on earth, he, he actually went and chose them.
0: Yeah, so Christ, the Father draws us to Christ. No one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. But it's pretty clear from the scripture. Christ is not a robot. All of the intelligence doesn't sit in the Father. And then we've got this dumb puppet over here that we call Christ. That's not how it works. The Father is an entity. The Father is a being. The Father is an intelligence. And Christ is a separate being with intelligence. And they have learned to just – they love each other. They work together. And they have roles. And, and clearly from the scripture – Pastor Murray, do you want to Yeah, from the scripture we're seeing here, the Father draws Christians to Christ. But it appears from the scripture Christ chooses the apostles. And sends them out. Because he's the head of the church. The Father father is not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church.
1: Uh, He also did the creating and uh, he works. Yes. He's he's always uh, involved in something.
0: That's right. Thanks. Uh, Pastor Murray.
2: And just to backdrop what you also said is that... uh, uh, the Father did say I will put everything under the, the authority of Christ right. so he returned it to Christ that's right so and their wills are together right.
0: yeah so all things come under Christ and then when everything has been subdued by Christ then Christ turns it over to the Father but but it ha- the authority has been delegated to Christ uh, for this time period that we're in now okay just uh, a Jennifer.
2: In the history of the church of God, the definition of an apostle as being someone who sets doctrine in the church. Do you know where uh, that is supported in the Bible? Or did we just come up with that?
0: Um, I think that it is clear that the apostles do set doctrine. Uh, I I wouldn't disagree with that. From the epistles, we see the apostles are establishing doctrine. They're explaining doctrine. So I would agree with that I wouldn't use that As the criteria To say who an apostle is Because I could start throwing my weight around For the next 10 years And start pushing and establishing Doctrine And then 10 years from now I could say Oh look, look at that I have been establishing doctrine for t- I think I'm an apostle So anybody could do that So establishing doctrine that's what the apostles did but that doesn't define what an apostle is Uh, from the scriptures what an apostle is is an eyewitness and someone who's been chosen by Christ to be an apostle now in that capacity yes they set doctrine Pastor
2: from my perspective that's a really good question I think um, they in the history of the churches of God they take uh, rather than the definition that you've pointed out here they take the meaning of the Greek word once and forth, and they take that and go, well, I'm being sent forth, so I will now claim the title of apostle. I think you can uh, you can argue exactly as uh, Pastor Adrian is arguing, that those are two separate things. There's the office of an apostle, and then there's um, that other meaning, which is separate from the office. Just like there's a, the office of a deacon, but deaconos also means serving. And Christ was called a deacon, and so was Paul called a deacon, but we're, no one ever claims that they have the office of a deacon. So I think that would also very support good.
0: what you're That's saying. Very good. Yeah, and I think this office of apostleship is the foundation. So the church is founded on the, the the prophets and the apostles. That's our foundation. We don't have to keep rebuilding the foundation. That's the foundation. And all those that. Just in like that light
2: of that, those, those exact two... Definitions. Paul doesn't uh, contravene that either. He was a witness, and he exactly. was Very good point. Uh, taught by Christ and commissioned by Christ.
0: Very good point. Exactly. Okay.
2: All righty. Uh,
1: just one more thing. Yes. Like Colombo, just one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it true that only an apostle can uh, pen scripture? Or, or uh, in the New Testament, I mean, you know. Was it only apostles that actually penned scripture?
2: Can you? Uh, yeah, sorry. We're reading Luke. We're reading Luke. So um, there's your answer. Jude. I don't know that yeah. Jude was. Anyway, so I'll try now. Yeah, that's good. So there's the answer. So Luke, Jude.
0: These were. Uh, Luke was not an apostle. He was a disciple, but yet he's he's penned scripture. Okay, let's uh, continue. Let's go back to Acts 8. So in Acts 8, we have the table of contents. That is, we're going to see this play out. We're going to see the acts of Christ through the Holy Spirit, through the, the body, play out in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then to the rest of the, the, the earth. And notice this, that God always prioritizes Israel. He gives Israel the, the, the first First rite of refusal. Once they refuse, even the the Apostle Paul, we'll see this play out. Every time he went to a city, he found a synagogue first. And he took the gospel to the Jews first. When they rejected him, then he went to the Gentiles. So to the Jew first, then to the Greek, then to the Gentiles. Okay, Acts 8. But you shall receive power. That word there is uh, dunamis. And it means miraculous power, ability, abundance, might, strength, mighty work. So they're going to receive this power, and that's what's going to change them. So for 40 days, they've been through this intensive educational program. On top of this intensive education, now they're going to receive miraculous power. And it's going to transform them. And it's also going to turn them into witnesses, that word witnesses is the word martus, from which we get our word martyr. So the Holy Spirit is going to transform them from cowards into martyrs. That they will believe so strongly in this Christ that nothing will separate them from Christ. To, the, to On pain of death. And their death will be a witness that this is true. Luke 22. Luke 22. And verse 58. After a little while, another saw him, speaking of Peter, and said, You are also of them. I I recognize you. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of of one hour after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth, for sure, this fellow also was with Christ, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what you say. Not only is he a coward, he's he's so fearful, he becomes a liar. This is the natural man. I'd like to introduce you to yourself. Okay, let's not blame Peter. This is the natural man. This is what we will all do when we are facing fearful circumstances. Me? Christian? No, not me. I was at the... Well, I promised not to talk about something today. I won't say it. Me? Christian? No. I'm, I'm, I'm whatever you want me to be. Just don't kill me. Okay. Peter here is of this mindset. Uh, Man, I know not what you say. And immediately while he spoke, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. This is after Peter said, I'll never deny you. Uh, You can count on me. I'll be right there. And now, on pain of death, he throws Christ under the bus. And Christ looks at him and he remembers. Verse 62. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He really didn't want to be unfaithful. He, he, he really wanted to be loyal to Christ. But when his skin was threatened, he let go of Christ. This is the natural man. Back in Acts 1. Let's go back to Acts 1. Christ is promising these same men dunamis you're going to receive power the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to receive miraculous power that's going to enable you to be my martyrs and all of them were martyred except for John we need this power because by ourselves we will sell Christ down the river we will betray Christ every one of us will betray Christ not only will we betray Christ we'll betray each other Unless we have this miraculous power. And then we will be martyrs. And people will know, wow, this thing called Christianity, it must be true. No one would stand up like that. No one would face that fearful foe and not back down unless they were certain of what's beyond the grave. And that's what we need, brethren. The times ahead are difficult times. We need to receive this power. So that we can be witnesses of Christ. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld. So this is now on the 40th day. He was with them for 40 days. So while he's speaking these things and while they're watching him, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven. So he's just been taken. He was there talking to them. And then he was just taken up. And they're watching, 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 watching. And while they beheld steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven so you just watched him we were just here talking to him and he just went up to the heaven and there they're there staring perplexed suddenly two men appear and say the same way you saw him go up to heaven that's the same way he's coming back and let's hold your place here and let's go to revelation 1 Revelation 1 and verse 9 Sorry, Revelation 1 and verse 7 Behold He comes with clouds So he was here He was speaking to the men And he ascended into the clouds And now at the end of the book we see Just as the two men said He's coming back the same way he left He comes with clouds And every eye shall see him And they also which pierced him And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Even so, amen. That the return of Christ is not a happy time for everybody. It's a happy time for us. We will rejoice when Christ appears in the clouds. But a lot of people are going to realize how mistaken they were. A lot of people who rejected Christ, thought Christ was a fable thought Christ was mythology, people who downright rejected him and worked against him and said he was just a man and nothing special, when he appears, they're going to realize we have done something terribly wrong. We are on the wrong side of the fence, and it's too late. It's too late. Now there's judgment. We will rejoice, but many will wail. So we, we stand firm in Christ. This this I I don't care what happens in this life. There is nothing to hold on to in this life. I want when Christ, and I hope we, we all want when Christ appears, we are rejoicing. We are this is not a fearful time for us. Though he comes with power, though he comes with judgment, we rejoice because we are now taken up into the clouds with him. Back to Acts one. Even so, amen. So many are taking Christ for granted. So many are demeaning Christ. It's, it's easy to have humor. You can do all the cartoons you want about Christ. Nobody objects. But he's coming with power. He's coming with power. Acts 1 and verse 12. Then return they. Oh, sorry. Verse 9. Acts 1 and verse 9. No, I'm sorry We went to to verse 12 Then returned they unto Jerusalem From the mount called Olivet Which is from Jerusalem A Sabbath day's journey So it was less I think it was about Under a mile was a Sabbath day's journey So they went back to Jerusalem And when they were come in They went up into an upper room Maybe this is the same place They had the Passover We're not sure They went into an upper room Where both, both Peter and James and John And Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the brother of James these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication so Christ was with them for 40 days giving them this intensive education program on the 40th day he was taken up they now have 10 days to go to get to Pentecost and it's saying here that they continued in one accord they, they, were, they were convinced. There were many infallible proofs. Christ was with them. They, know at, they, they don't need to guess. They don't need to think. I think Christ is the way. I, I think Christ is God. No. Thomas handled him and said, My Lord and my God. You are my God. And then he was taken up. And now they continue. This word continued. proskaterio, in the Greek. It means to be constantly diligent, to adhere closely to a thing. It, it's like you're, you're addicted to something. So after Christ left, they were addicted in one accord to prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And notice the women are a part of this. It's not like the women are often in, uh, in the basement. And and the men, we get together and we do the thing. The women are as much a part of this as the men. So they're with one accord. Now, we come to verse 15. Remember Peter's personality. We were just talking about this earlier. He's the impulsive one. one. He's the actor. He's like, there's time for action. Let's do this now. So Peter's the impulsive one, very decisive. Let's go. Okay? So Acts fifteen, uh, Acts 1, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said... So he see, there's something to be done here. Peter's the man of action. So he stands up in the midst of the disciples and says, the number of names together were about 120. So we have about 120 disciples of Christ here. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas. We've got a problem. But the problem was foreordained. The scripture spoke that there had to be this thing. So we have this problem concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now, this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. So he got his due reward. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch that this field is called in their proper tongue Aseldama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. So that's what's written in the book of Psalms. That his bishopric should be stripped from him. And another should take it. Wherefore. Of these men. Which have accompanied with us. All the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Beginning from the baptism of John. Unto that same day that he was taken up from us. So. So. so There are these men that have been with us from the beginning. We've lost Judas. So he's saying from this pool. We've got 120 men with us. About 120. Not 120, but about 120. So from this pool of men. Who were with us from the beginning. From the baptism of John. Unto the same day that Christ was taken up from us. Must one be ordained. To be a witness with us. Of his resurrection. In other words, we need to replace Judas. So. Christ was here for 40 days. We, he's been educating us. Now he's been taken up. We have 11 of us now who are the martyrs, the ordained to be the, the witnesses. We need another one to replace Judas. And so I, I see the need. I'm going to stand up and say something. We need to do this right away. Verse 23. And they appointed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, which know the hearts of all men, show whether of these two you have chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Okay. I just want to pause here for a moment. And first of all, call out Peter's character. Peter's the one that, oh, you'll never wash my feet. And then Christ is like, Okay, if I don't wash your feet, then you have nothing to do with me. Oh, well, then not just my feet, everything. No, just your feet. So so Peter's this very impulsive man. Judas is lost. We only have 11 apostles. Christ says you're going to be my martyrs. He says we need another one. We need someone to replace Judas. Notice in verse 23 that they appointed two. So we pick two people. And then we're going to flip a coin. And we're going to say to God, tell us which of these two you want to replace Judas. I'm just going to ask the question, what if God doesn't want either of them? Because if we go to verse 3 of Acts 1, it says an apostle is an eyewitness and it's somebody chosen by Christ. Here it says, they appointed two. And so we're going to flip a coin and tell us, Christ, which of these two that we've chosen do you want? Well, that, to me, negates the very definition of an apostle. You don't choose. Christ chooses. And by the way, I'm going to speak for Christ here. I've already chosen the apostle Paul. I'm preparing the replacement for Judah. Now, or Judas. We, we flip the coin, we do some sort of lot, and it's, oh, it's Tails. Must be Matthias. And I'm sure um, Justice, not Justice, Bar- Barsabbas, was thrilled. Okay? This is not something you rush into, to say, oh, pick me, pick me. It's like, this is high stakes. So I shouldn't say thrilled, relieved. I'm sure Barsabbas was relieved. So Matthias is chosen. I I challenge you to show me anywhere in the scriptures where Matthias bears any fruit. Where he's even mentioned again. I think this is completely man-made and a disaster. And Peter's impulsiveness. Because all over the scripture, the apostle Paul bears fruit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15 And beginning In verse 4 And that he was buried Speaking of Christ And he rose again the third day According to the scriptures Did it exactly the way the scriptures said it would happen And then he was seen by Peter Then the twelve After that he was seen above Five hundred brethren at once And I, I just begs the question here I thought we just had 120. So 500 brethren actually saw him, and yet we just had 120 in Acts. So it seems like even with that clear evidence, we still lost some believers. But I I don't know about that, but it's just strange to me that there's 500 brethren that saw him, and only 120 are counted uh, as they're heading into Pentecost. Of whom the greater part remain unto this day, But some have died. So we have infallible proof. You you need two witnesses for something to be true. We've got over 500 witnesses. After that, he was seen by James. Then all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me. So that's the first definition of an apostle. You have to be an eyewitness. Paul was an eyewitness. As of one, born out of due time. Notice here, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles. So, in fact, I didn't call out in in Acts. Well, we'll go back there in a second. Um, I'm the least of the apostles. So I I am an apostle. I think think I'm the least. Why? And I'm not even meet to be called an apostle. They shouldn't even call me an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. So I'm the least. But I am an apostle. It's just I'm the least of them. Because I, I, I killed people. I persecuted people. Let's go back to Acts 1 So it says here uh, They appointed to They appointed to Not Christ In verse 2 we see that Christ chooses the apostles And then in verse 6 They gave forth their lots And the lot fell upon Verse 26 The lot fell upon Matthias And he was numbered With the eleven apostles Luke doesn't actually say he was an apostle Luke never says Matthias Was an apostle Now notice this And and we'll just go through this quickly Um, If you look at Romans uh, You just jot these down Romans 1 verse 1 Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ Called to be an apostle Separated unto the gospel of God 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1 Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Second Corinthians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Galatians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Colossians 1 verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Titus 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I think there's no doubt that Christ chose Paul to be an apostle. Matthias, there's no fruit. It's just, we'll flip a coin, it's going to be one of these two. How do you know it's either of them? Because Christ did not choose them. Men chose them. Let's conclude the study, just the first part of Acts 2. So they're waiting in Jerusalem. They had intensive education for 40 days. They're continuing for 10 days, fasting and prayer. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost finally arrived, 10 more days to go after Christ was ascended after Christ ascended finally come to the 50th day it was fully come they were all with one accord in one place we saw that from the earlier verse they were doing they were all in one accord it's not just on the day of pentecost leading right up to the day of pentecost they were counting and then on the day of pentecost it was fulfilled and they were all in with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So this is the dunamis that they were promised in Jerusalem. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so this is now the introduction to Volume 2 of Luke. And we're going to see Jesus Christ now working through his body because they've been endued with power they have received the holy spirit they now have the mind of christ and now christ from heaven the head is going to direct the body and really we we should refer to not the acts of the apostles but the gospel is everything that christ began both to do and to teach and then acts is everything that christ continued both to do and to teach We'll pause there, and, and any questions before we conclude the study, Brother Jan? I just may have a, you know, just comments about Matthias,
2: and I wouldn't be so quickly to destroy his reputation. Uh, flipping a coin, so to speak, is also biblical. It was just in the Old Testament as a Urim and tunim in different sort of Gothic guidance, even distributing the land. I think that's what the part where they choose to decide.
0: So we don't know much about Matthias, but we don't know much about Andrew and either of the apostles how fruitful. They were or they were not. So that's just my observation from your comment. So appreciate that. And yes, casting lots is biblical. By saying that we do not Or for me saying I don't recognize him As an apostle This has nothing to do with his reputation Nothing at all There were 120 devout Christian men and women Who are true believers They're just not apostles So the the body Of Christ is the body Just because you're an I And I'm a toe I'm no less a part of the body just that I don't serve the function of seeing. I have another function. And so forcing me to be an eye, when I'm not an eye, I can't produce the fruit that eyes produce because that's not how I'm designed. I'm designed to be a toe. I help balance the body. So without me, you're gonna have trouble walking. You're gonna have trouble balancing. So if you take me out of my role, the body's not gonna function properly. Just because I'm not an eye, and you recognize that I'm not an eye, you're not destroying my reputation. You're just recognizing that I'm not an eye. So we're not... In no no way, both of these men, Barsabbas and Matthias, obviously have phenomenal reputation. Among 120 brethren, these two were picked as saying, we think it's one of these two. So they're clearly remarkable men. But there's no evidence that Christ chose them. And we know that Peter is impulsive. So Peter drove the agenda. But that's not... we, We see clearly... And Luke is kind of calling him out. Uh, he has a history of acting impulsively and out of the will of God. And he hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. So it's still, it's still Peter. It's not Peter with the Holy Spirit yet. Certainly not as a believer. But as far as apostleship goes, he's never mentioned again. And I, I, I think all of the other apostles are mentioned. But this man is never mentioned. And 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 Luke never says that he's an apostle. But clearly the scripture shows that Paul is an apostle. And and twelve is a significant number. So there's twelve apostles, and Paul is one of the twelve. So it's not thirteen apostles. Sorry, Sister Jennifer. Did you have a comment? Yes. I thought I you saw your hand up now. Okay. Yep. So I mean, and again, that's just for consideration. I'm not saying this is doctrine. I'm saying it's certainly worth Consider uh, it?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Frog in my throat. <laughs> uh, an apostle is one sent, correct? So Jesus was actually an apostle of God the Father because he sent Jesus. And only someone who was an eyewitness to Jesus could be an apostle. That's what I was meant to say before. Only an eyewitness of the ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus could actually be an apostle.
0: And chosen by Christ.
1: And chosen by Christ. And uh, wasn't Paul taught, isn't there a scripture that Paul was taught by Christ? Yes. So he received the teachings of Christ that he didn't get when he wasn't traveling with the uh, apostles. He received them in the desert or something. That's right. So he did receive uh, the correct uh, uh, format uh, that Jesus required to be an apostle. That's right.
0: Very good. Alrighty, why don't we uh, break? Have a break. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.